to just quickly, uh, before we get going here, um, last couple weeks have been kind of rough. Uh, a lot of, uh, actually several folks diagnosed with some illnesses and stuff. So make sure that you lift up the, just the body. The, you see the prayer requests circle by. Make sure you hold up those families and those folks who have been diagnosed with some some illnesses. Also, during December is a tough time for relationships. Folks, a lot of times, go through marital problems. Believe it or not, it's supposed to be a festive time, but oftentimes it becomes the most aggravating time. So make sure you pray for the church family uh, as well. So, all right. <laughs> all right, folks, I'm going to need some help today, all right? I, I got I to have some help today. All right, so inside your program is a, a Benadryl tablet. If you're not tired, you can go ahead and take it and go to sleep with me. All right, so inside your program is an outline. I want to encourage you guys to pull it out, follow along today as we work through today's lesson. Today uh, and then the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about success and setting goals in your life. And so let's be honest. We love church and we love to folks to be honest. Um, Here's, here's what it says about Forbes did a study on folks who make set goals in their life. So 40% of Americans set goals annually. So let's just be honest now. Let's see if I have an above average crowd or a below average crowd. All right. So how many of you set goals annually for, for your life or your family or finances or any of that stuff? Anybody? Okay, so we're a little bit below the curve. <laughs> all right, that's all right, because I grade on a curve, so it's all good. And here's the, here's the staggering part. 8% achieve, only 8%, all right? So 40%, if you're wondering to know what that feels like, uh, roughly 40% of Americans watch the Super Bowl, all right? So that's a pretty good-sized crowd. So 40% set goals, only 8% of them achieve... And here is, uh, uh, I have here a little graph of what, uh, where things start going sideways, all right? So week one, 75%. So it already drops 25% in week one, right? It's like, so you the, on Monday, you're like, I'm going to diet, right? On Friday, eh, not so good, all right? So, so that's encouraging. Week two, 71%. Month one, 64%. And by six months, it's dropped below 50%, right? So, and then it goes downhill from there, there, and that's why we get only 8% of it. Now, here's the problem with setting goals. When we set goals, oftentimes, we never include the spiritual aspect of it. And that is why only 8% achieve. All right. If you are trying to set goals and it's self-effort, you will, you will fail every single time. In fact, in Forbes' study, it's kind of funny because they give you a list of things to do on your goal setting. Keep it simple, make it tangible, make it obvious, and then the last one is keep believing you can do it. And that is the fault right there. And I'll share with you why. Inside your program, pull out the, the outline. If you have your Bibles, Galatians 
chapter 5, all right? So today, uh, as I went through it yesterday, I did this message a couple um, months or so ago. When I went through it uh, yesterday and then this morning, I thought, ugh, you guys are going to have to scoot to the edge of your chair because this is going to get kind of heady and kind of weighty, but you guys are a sharp group, right? This is the A team, all right? And so we're going to be able to follow along. So here we go. Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, will be in the outline screen above us and we'll be ready to go. And the first part, what I want to share with you is several ideas, but the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to setting goals, and we'll, we'll know, as, as our problem is that we set it in a self-effort, we exclude God's part in our life, all right? In fact, I was thinking through, I don't even know, from, even for myself, I don't know if I've ever had a believer tell me that my goal for next year is to walk closer to Christ every single day. I'm not sure that, I, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that I even thought that as a goal in my life. That I would walk in the Spirit, as we call it in church, or I would walk with Christ in my life. Usually it's all, you know, want to lose weight, save money, get, get a second degree, I mean, whatever the case may be, it's usually those types of goals, and it's not necessarily spiritual in our life. So let's take a look. Here we go. Let's work through today's lesson. The first one is, there are signs of an out-of-control life. And so what I'm going to share with you is in order to achieve your God-given goals, you must have a self-controlled life, all right? And that self-controlled life is going to contain Christ in it. If you do not have Christ in it, it is self-effort and it will never work, all right? And so here, as, as Paul writes to, to the church, he's going to give some evidence of the sinful nature, all right? So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have two natures. You have your old nature, your sinful nature, which you, inher you inherited from your daddy, all right? So it's your daddy's fault, but the problem is it's not just his fault, it's his daddy's fault, and it goes all the way back to Adam, right? So we have a sinful nature. That's the importance of the virgin birth I talked about last week, right? Jesus has no sin nature because he was not born of an earthly father. All of us are born of an earthly father regardless of how you got into this world. And as a result of it, you have a sinful nature or a, na a sin nature, all right? So he says, the sinful nature is obvious, right? We don't need to go through a bunch of those things and spend, spend, spend a bunch of time. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, uh, uh, faction, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and then I love Paul, and here's what Paul is. He knows that today, December 27, 2015, someone in Oakley is going to read this verse and go, what I'm doing isn't on the list, right? And so Paul just circles back and he says, and the like, right? So if you've invented a new one, and Paul didn't have it on there. He just kind of circles back around and goes, okay, and the like, right? In case you have something that's not on the list. Now, obviously, this isn't a complete list. He's just kind of giving you that. So it's simple, Paul says. These things are obvious. They're part of the sinful nature in our life. And as a result of our sinful nature, we have a pull or we gravitate to the sinfulness of our life. Would you all agree with that? Right? So we have a pull in that direction 
in our life. And the result of it is, in your outline, number one, the results of it is wasted time, right? Weakened bodies, and what that means is it's the consequence of a sinful life. So there are consequences. Even though as believers we would be forgiven from eternity in an eternal sense, but there are consequences of our choices that we make. Would you agree with that? And many times it causes our bodies to be weak or sick. Now, uh, and, so, and so there's the time-wasted, weakened body, warped thinking, and wrecked lives. Would you agree with that? We can all probably stand up and tell stories of people that we know, maybe even ourselves, that we have been involved in sinful things, and as a result of it, we've wasted time, we've experienced the consequences of it, we have warped thinking, or no people with warped thinking, and their lives are wrecked, their marriages, their kids, and all that kind of stuff are all screwed up, right? Would we all agree with that? So Paul says, listen, that's obvious, right? That doesn't take much time to describe that. Now, number two, the second idea is then what is the signs of a life that is spirit-controlled? All right, because that's really where we need to move into. We know what it is to be walking in the flesh, but what is it to walk in the spirit, and what does it look like to walk in the spirit in our life? So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul goes on and he says, but, right? So the but is going to be a transition from the sinful life to the spirit-led life, right? And so he says, in the spirit-led life, the, 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 it's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, not multiple fruits. All right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And if I'm going to set goals in my life and it's not going to be driven by, by, by self-effort, I'm going to need a God-given self-control. Right? Are we following so far? All right. So, so he says, here is the fruit of the Spirit in our life, and here's what it's going to begin to look like. In your outline, self-control means to be in control. So if you look at the Greek and you wonder what that word means, it means to be in control in your life. All right? You're to be in control of your life. Well, what does it look like from a distance to have a life where we are walking in the spirit, right? You'll hear believers say, you know, I'm just walking with the Lord day to day. Well, what does that look like? Oh, and so Paul's going to give us an example. Number two is there's an example when my life is under the control of the Holy Spirit. In verse 13 of chapter 5, he says, And my brothers, we are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful in the sinful nature, right? So we are free in Christ. And so he says, just because you're free in Christ, we don't want you to migrate back to the sinful nature because there's a great pull in that direction, but we don't want you to head there. You have freedom in Christ, but we don't want you to migrate back. Rather, and there's that transition again, rather, here's what it's going to look like for you, and this is just a example. It's not an endless, uh, it's not the uh, uh, example, it's just one example for you to understand what it is to look like when you're walking in the Spirit or walking in Christ. Rather, serve one another in love. So here it is. If you've ever wondered if you're walking in the Spirit, here's an example. Are you serving one another in love? 
Now, think about that. If self-effort is the old nature, this is the opposite, isn't it? Because in order to serve you, you're unlovable, many of you, right? Right? We all are unlovable, be honest. There are times in our life where we're unlovable. And if we're going to serve each other in love, you're going to need something greater than self-effort to love that person. Would you agree? Sure. So he says here that we are to serve one another in love. Verse verse, uh, 14. The entire law is summed up in a single commandment. And here is a greater example. Because when we think about serving each other in love, I'm thinking about my wife. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about those who are close to me, in which case I can go, that's pretty easy, right? And and we would know from other places where Jesus says, listen, it's easy to love those who are lovable. It's difficult to love those who aren't lovable. And so here is the greater example. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you ever wondered in your life, if you're walking in the spirit, Paul would say, here's an example. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? And if you aren't, then don't walk around saying that you are. Because the example is that we're going to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, Galatians 5, verse 1. We're going to back up a couple For it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of, what is it? But actually that word isn't slavery. That word is actually self-effort. Remember about yoke? We learned that during the last series. Yoke has a symbol through scripture. Partnership, submission. Right? So when we're yoked... In this case, where we're yoked to Christ, we're following Christ in his direction, his path. In this case, it's talking about following or being yoked to our old nature or our self-effort in our life. Where we are submitting to it and we are in partnership with it. All right? So, so when we start experiencing and we're yoked, or we, we start yoking ourselves to self-effort, you will never achieve your goals because you are selfish and eventually the pull of the flesh is going to pull you right outside and you're not going to be able to achieve those God-given goals. Okay, are we following okay? Because Because the whole idea is to think that you can, think that you can, think that you can. Listen, you can't. Because if you could, you would. And 8% of Americans wouldn't succeed in their goal setting. 40% who set out would achieve it. So we can't do it on our own. You can't try to love someone. You don't have it in you to love them. Right? Verse 13. You, my brothers, are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. All right? So we are called to be free, but do not use that freedom to to be involved in sinful nature. Number three, no one is truly free 
until they know control. Okay, and that's not N-O, that's K-N-O, right? K-N-O-W, right? Until you know control. So let's follow along here. Follow the bouncing ball. <clears throat> I am not a musician. I know nothing about music. Frankly, I don't even like music. I know what? If, if, if I designed church, it would be one-hour lectures and everyone would go home. But I know it's a part of the thing. I know, right? So no, just being honest, I, I, I don't even, I think I have a, maybe a half dozen CDs, music CDs. So I know nothing about music, and you're grateful for that. I do not sing, which you love the Lord for that, right? But in order to be good, you have to understand musical theory. Would you agree with that? And, and Great musicians have a, a, a better grasp of it. They understand it in a greater way, and they're able to achieve it, all right? And they're able to achieve amazing and great things, right? So here's what I want you to understand. When you are free, okay, you are only free when you are in Christ. Let me follow because I know eventually, you, I mean, where you say, I'm a believer, I'm free, yes. But you are only free when you are walking in Christ. That's the only way that you have freedom. Because if you are outside of that and you're walking in the flesh, what is in control? The flesh is. And guess what the flesh wants to do? Whatever it wants to do. Right? So we only have freedom when we are walking in the Spirit and we are walking in Christ and He is in control of our life. Alright? That is a huge thing to grab a hold of. Because again, I think most believers, they, they, they you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer, therefore I'm walking in the Spirit. It's not the case. You may be heaven bound, but that does not mean that you are yielding to the spirit in your life on a, on a regular basis, right? And so when we step out of Christ, self-effort, when we step into Christ, it's, it's Christ controlling us, and therefore we have freedom in Christ. Are we tracking okay? All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit, and then what will happen when I live by the spirit? And you will not, grati uh, you will not uh, gratify the desires. And that word desire means a strong desire against the Spirit of God. So there's this huge battle or pool that's taking place. And so Paul says, when you live by the Spirit, then you will not uh, fulfill the desires of the, of the sinful flesh. And verse 17, he gives it a little more clear. And he says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And here's our problem. <clears throat> they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. Right? When we are in the flesh, there is no freedom. Contrary to what the world says, live and let live, hey, you know, do whatever you please. Folks, there is no freedom. And if you ever want to know why the wheels have fallen off the wagon, 
All you have to do is understand that when humans uh, uh, allow themselves not to have boundaries in Christ, then anything goes. As Romans says, evil men invent new ways to do evil. Right? There is not freedom outside of Christ. There is freedom in Christ because he is in control of our life. My desire, my sinful desire is to please my flesh. Right? That's my desire. To do what Dan wants to do, when, how, all that kind of stuff. Just to please me. And you have the same struggle in your life as well. Because as believers, we got two natures, don't we? We have the sinful nature, and it's pulling what is contrary against the Spirit. And if we've been born again, we've invited Jesus in our life to be a Lord and Savior. We have a spiritual nature, and both of those natures are warring against each other. There is a civil war that's taking place in your life. Right? And when we step out of Christ, not salvation, but if we step out of Christ in our walk with Him, then the flesh is in control and you have no control. When we are walking in Christ, Christ is in control, and therefore we have freedom because he is in control. Are we tracking okay? All right, you guys are doing great so far. What number am I on? Four? So this is why self-effort to change will not work. It can't because you're relying completely on yourself. And that is why when 40% of Americans do goals, 8% achieve, right? It's, it's, it's digressing. And obviously, if you're trying to achieve your goals in your own human effort, it's, it's just not going to work, right? It's, it's, it's impossible for that to take place. In, in verse six, or 16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So the goal then is to be one a person who walks in the Spirit. Now, number five in your outline, here's the struggle that many believers embrace. And here, here's kind of the idea. They think if I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, then I'll be walking in the Spirit. And so here's what we do, and here's the danger. We go back to verse 19, and we read sexual immorality. Okay, that's, that's sex outside of not being married and having sex. Uh, impurity, that's sex when you're married with someone else, right? Uh, debauchery, that's where you allow yourself to just let anything go and you have vices in your life. There's no control. You, you kind of just basically have no boundaries. Idolatry, witch, witchcraft, hatred, discord. And we go through those things in our life and we say, well, I'm not doing any of those. Therefore, I must be walking in the spirit. And that's not the case. Okay. That's not the case just because we're not doing those because, again, that isn't a complete list for one. And two, that does not necessarily mean that a person is walking in the spirit. Okay, so that's where I want to go today with you as we kind of wrap up. So in your outline number six, holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. All right. So self-effort says, if I just do, if I just work, if I just do these things that somehow I'm going to experience holiness. The reality is, if you're relying on yourself, you will never reach holiness because your effort will not work. 
Christ, walking in Christ, and we'll talk what that means, is the way to holiness. You're only going to have the control and the power to do it when I am yielding my life to Christ on a regular basis. Otherwise, we all had goals. I'm going to read through the New Testament. Day three, right? You don't even get out of Matthew and you're done, right? Self-effort isn't going to get you where you need to get to. It's only when we're walking in Christ are we able to experience that uh, in our life. So how do we walk in the Spirit? The second idea in your outline, how to have a Spirit-controlled life. Again, in Galatians 5.18, and here's what it says. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Circle the word led in your outline. The word led, number one, means to be willingly led by the Spirit. Okay? It means to be willingly led by the Spirit in your life. There is a decision to willingly allow Christ to lead you in your life. Are we got that? So at the very beginning of a spirit-controlled life, walking in the spirit, walking in Christ, is you have to make a decision that you're going to allow him to lead your life. Number two, you got or, or, uh, Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 16, it says, so I say, live by the Spirit, right? So circle the word live and go down to number two. Live means to tread around, to walk at large. All right? So let's get the visual of what he's saying here. There is a decision to be willingly led by Christ. Well, what does that look like? It looks like walking. It looks like you're walking. Right? We understand what that means. It's a pretty simple, simple way of, of understanding it in our life. It means that you're walking. Number three in your outline, the spirit-controlled life is like walking. Right? Do we know what that means? Yes? Okay. What do you do when you walk? No, you're wrong. It is not a step is the first thing you do. What do you do? Come on, church, it's small. We gotta, we gotta, what, do you do? what do you do? You decide that you're going to walk, right? You have to make a decision that you're going to walk, right? And, and so you've got to make that decision that you're going to walk. So number four is, when you begin to walk, it starts with a choice. You make a choice in your life to walk. So Paul says, Paul says this. He says, to be willingly led by the Spirit, to walk, and then there's going to be a choice in which you're going to make to walk in the Spirit. All right? So follow me. Are you following along? Okay. So if I said to you, if I said to you, you guys are going to walk in this building, but do not leave any of the exterior exit signs. You would make a choice to walk in the administrative office back here, back in the lobby, in the gym, the preschool, the bathroom, whatever. And you, you, you would walk in the perimeter, right, or the environment of 
this room. Would you agree with that? Some of you would be interested in looking out the exit doors, wouldn't you? Just to see what's out there. Just to see what's going on, right? And the sinful nature, the flesh would be going, listen, you don't want to be confined into this building. Do you know what's out there? There is freedom. There's love, joy, ice cream. Yeah, thank you, right? There's all kinds of cool things out there. And you'd be walking by, be honest, you'd be walking by the door and you'd be going, there's that exit sign. Is anyone looking? (laughs) Then you'd pull a little flap up, right, and look out, and then before long, you'd just swing the door open, right? All right. That is the pull of the sinful nature, to pull you outside of your walk in Christ, okay? Now, what he says here in your outline is he says, uh, verse 18, he says, but if you, right, there, so there's a willful decision in which, in which we're going to make. So number five in your outline is the spirit-controlled life is not lived by willpower, but entered into by an act of the will. There is a, a decision in which you make, and I'm going to press you today, to make that decision that a goal for 2016 is to live where you are walking in the spirit in your life on a daily on a regular basis that we're going to make that decision to walk in the spirit okay now let me go to ephesians chapter 5 this is kind of a funny verse to throw in there but you'll see why it works paul talks about drinking wine okay and in here it is both a contrast to walking in the spirit and being drunk as well as a comparison Okay, so let me share with you. Ephesians uh, 5, 18 and 19. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. That, just, that means that there is no boundaries and just off the hook, and it just carries on. All right? And then Paul gives a transition, and it's a comparison. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So here's a contrast, right? Those who end up drinking and getting drunk There's no boundaries. They end up doing crazy things and everyone scratches their head and go, oh my gosh, why did that happen? Well, because there's no boundaries. Right? And then he gives the being filled with the Spirit. Right? There's a comparison. Walking in the Spirit and being drunk are similar. You say, why is that? Well, for a person to get drunk, what do they have to make? A choice. There's a willful act to drink, right? Then there is a willful act to drink more, right? And at some point in their drinking, what takes over their life? What takes over their their life? Spirits, yeah, there you go. The alcohol. Right? You, you ever talk to somebody who's drunk? What's speaking through them? Right? I mean, when, when I was younger in my crazy days, hey, you, you know, that was war juice, right? A little guy like me would fight the biggest guy in the room. Right? Well, what was speaking through me? 
It's the alcohol, right? So think about this. So Paul's comparison. Paul says, listen, it's a willful choice. And at some point, the alcohol begins to control their life. Spiritually, walking in the spirit, it's a willful decision. And guess what controls your life that gives you freedom? The spirit of God begins to control your life. Right? So Paul says, listen, not only is there a comparison here in, in, in a difference, but there's also a similarity in how it works in a person's life. Alcohol controls them and speaks through them. In this case, the spirit of God speaks through the person who's walking in the spirit. Right? And so he gives us that as kind of a, a comparison and a contrast at the same time. It's kind of an interesting way that he, he goes about it. And so as we walk in the spirit, the spirit of God speaks in and through our life. We have freedom, not because we're in control of our own life, but we have freedom because Christ is in control of us. And when Christ is in control of us, even though the sinful nature is going to be saying, hey, go out the back door. Hey, go out the back door. Hey, try this. Hey, try that. There's something in us, and we'll see in a moment, that's like a referee that blows the whistle and says, Dan, you're out of bounds. Get back in bounds. Right? So even though there'll be something in us that will want to push the door open and check the outside, there will be a spirit in us that will blow the whistle and say, hey, come back in. You're out of bounds. Right? Are we following okay? All right. So uh, let's see. Where are we at here? We're on six. <clears throat> so six is... It is a choice to stay in bounds in your walk. All right. And back to Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit. Five. What happened there? You will not satisfy uh, the, lu the lust of the flesh. Now. It does not say to walk with Christ. And it doesn't say to walk alongside of Christ. Right? What does it say to walk? In. The boundaries and the environment in which as believers we are to walk is in Christ. Just like if we were to walk in this building, to go outside would be out of bounds. Right? As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are to walk not with, not alongside of, but we are to walk in Christ, right? And when we are walking in Christ, that is where our freedom is. Again, the tear, the pull is, the flesh is saying outside, go outside, try what it, what's outside. But the person who is committed, who's made a willful decision, who decides to do it, recognizes, and here is a huge thing, and I know I got some of the youth here, pay attention, this will save you a lot of headache in life. What the world has to offer outside is not worth what it is to walk inside and have freedom in Christ. Right? And yet, the sinful nature is saying, go outside, try it with outside. Right? But once we recognize that what we have in Christ, the freedom that we have, there's no need in going outside the doors. There's no need in going out of bounds in your life. Right? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I've got to hurry up says let the peace of christ and what's the word wrong that word means referee or umpire 
So write that above that. It's a bad translation. And let the peace of Christ referee or umpire your heart. That's, to me, that's a very cool meaning. So what does that mean? You know what a referee is? You know what an umpire is? Right? Sure. Right? So here's what he's saying. That when, when the sinful nature wants to pull us outside, the referee in our heart, the Spirit of God, blows the whistle and says, you're out of bounds. Get back in bounds. Right? We have a choice at that moment to come back in bounds or to say, nah, I'll think I'll keep outside. Right? The longer that we stay outside, the less we will hear the whistle of the referee in our heart. Do you agree with that? Sure. The longer that you're disobedient to the Spirit of God, the weaker the conviction in our spirit becomes. Right? Sure. And so as we're outside, we don't hear the whistle, and and we're not willing to come back in. But when we are sensitive to the Spirit and we want to walk in the Spirit, we recognize, hey, you've got to get back in. You've got to get back into the, the, the environment in which what He desires for us to walk. All right? So here's the next big idea. So how to stay in a, spiritual, uh, a Spirit-controlled life. Two ways, and folks, listen. Walking with Jesus is way simpler than what you think it is. We have made things way more difficult in Christianity, especially in America. Okay? It's very simple, and it's, it, it's simple to do. And there are two ways, and that is repentance, and that is faith. How do I stay walking in a spirit-controlled life? Repentance and faith. Okay? Repentance and faith. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ. How have you received Christ? Right? Let's just kind of do our little thing here. Admitted that my own ways are not the right way. I turn from my self-governed life. I recognize that I've missed the mark. I admit that I've missed the mark. Right? And I turn to Christ... And I confess Him to be my Lord and Savior. Right? So I turn from my self-governed life, and I turn to Christ, and I receive Him by faith. Would you agree with that? Right? So how do I stay in a Spirit-controlled life? Repentance, you're out of bounds, get back in bounds. Yes, Lord, you're right. Your ways are right, my ways are wrong. I'm all screwed up. Lord, forgive me. Turn, repent, and to walk in Him by faith. We receive Christ in faith. We walk in, 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 in our faith in our, in our faith journey, right? So it's a whole lot simpler than what we need. But here's just a warning for everyone. The problem is, more often than not with believers, is we step outside the bounds. We don't walk in the Spirit because we're thinking that we're not doing you know, I'm not having an affair on my wife. I'm not having sex out of marriage. I'm not, you know, a drunken idiot. I'm not, all, you know, all this stuff. And we think, therefore, I'm walking in the Spirit. And that isn't the necessarily the case. And the longer that we're out of bounds, the more desensitized our heart gets to the whistle of the wet referee 
All right. And we don't hear that little pool saying, hey, Dan, you need to get back into walking with me in my life. All right. So are you okay so far? <clears throat> so then what is the result of a spirit controlled life? Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and wouldn't this be an awesome goal to have for your life in 2016? I know you want to shed some pounds and all that stuff. I mean, all that's good. That's fine. But wouldn't it be an awesome goal for your life that each day that you would wake up and you would have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? What would your marriage look like? What would your home life look like? What kind of an employee or employer would you be if that was a goal in life? And this is my own self-confession. When I started studying this, I thought, you know what? Last year my goal was to get to my high school weight, and I am. I thought, my goals are kind of self-centered. They're not really God-centered. I mean, I have goals for the church, but personally, they're not really God-centered goals. And then I started thinking through the conversations with different people. I've never had anybody come to me and say, my goal for 2000 and whatever it is, is to spend my life walking in the Spirit. What would it look like if that was your goal? How would it radically change you? Let's pray. Father, 